Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. God, lift our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears. God, you can shift the foundation anytime you choose. You can bring a rushing river and you can open the stars and the heavens anytime you choose. You are the God of the heavens and the earth. And this morning, God, we come in faith because we know that you're about to do something incredible this morning. And we declare your purposes over this state of Tasmania as we open your word this morning. God, speak to us like you've never spoken to us before, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're about to do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. Well, good morning. Good morning. What a great morning to be in church. What a great morning to be in church. And for those who I haven't met yet, my name is Alicia. And I uh, am get the opportunity to, to bring the Word of God this morning, which is so exciting. We've been in a series called Epic Tales. And they are the epic tales from the Old Testament. And I hope you've enjoyed the series. I have. We've had James on Abraham. We've had Aaron on King Hezekiah. We've had Innocent on Gideon and Pastor Sean about the Melbourne tram. That was an epic tale from last week. And if you didn't see it, I encourage you to go and listen to that. We've got a podcast. I think it's on YouTube. Let's enjoy those series. But today I get to bring one of my favourite passages in the, in the whole Bible. And I am so excited. I believe God has a word for us this morning. He always has a word for us. But when we've got ears to hear what he says, your world can shift. In the next half an hour, things can be different. So I believe this word, it's not only an encouraging word, but it's going to build your faith. Steve was exactly right this morning as we began to take our offering. It's our faith. It's our position. So I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Kings and chapter 6, if you have your Bibles with you. 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 8. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this and he called his officers together and he demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? So what we've got here in the historical context is we've got a divided nation of Israel. So Israel's been divided into two parts. One is the southern part under King Jehoshaphat, and that is the the kingdom of Judah. So the Israelites in the kingdom of Judah. Then we've got this northern section, which was the tribe of Israel up the top of this divided kingdom. And that's the people that we're talking about here in terms of the king of Israel. 
Now, this king of Israel, he decided to ditch the training and the learnings of his fathers, and he was wicked in the sight of God. So he had started uh, worshipping false gods. And as a result, the Israelites in this northern area were under attack. So the Arameans were actually the Syrian people that lived to the north of this group of people. And these Arameans would come down in bands of raiders, small armies, and they would attack. And if you read further on in the Bible and also the history accounts, what they would do is they would come down and just attack the village. And they would raid the village. So just as they were about to harvest their food, down they would come and steal the food. They would steal their livestock. They would steal their wives and children and take them away as slaves to the Syrian people. So in this context, we have a king and we have God's prophet, Elisha, at the time, bringing the word of God to this king. These people were living in constant fear, harassed at every corner by these bands of raiders. Every time they rebuilt their villages, every time they raised their stock and grew their food, the enemy would appear and take all they have. Have you ever been harassed? Anything in your life ever harassed you over and over and over again? When you wake up and that thing is still there harassing you? Now, if you're a parent, you know all about being harassed. But that's not the kind of harassment I'm talking about, as painful as it may be. Have you ever been harassed by your schedule? Have you ever been harassed by your health every morning, waking up to that same thing that keeps coming back at you time and time again? Harassed by the relationships within your family that no matter what you've tried to rebuild time and time again, it just keeps coming back and destroying your joy? Harassed by failure or poor decisions, sick of waking up in different seasons of your life and recognising that you've made another poor decision. Harassed by fear. Harassed at work. But as we pick up this story, God had begun to start to frustrate the plans of the enemy. So God had started to provide knowledge to Elisha about what the enemy was planning. And Elisha could tell the king and say, listen, this is where they're going to attack next. Be ready. And so God had started to construct something that was to frustrate the plans of the enemy. And just as a side note, that's what he does. If you're willing to listen, he wants to talk to you to be able to frustrate the plans of the enemy in your life. So the king of Aram, or the the Syrian king at the time, he was so mad that he was sure that he had a mole in his army. He was sure somebody, there's no way they would know unless somebody from my, my side is telling them what's going on. So let's pick the story up again in verse 12. It's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Isn't God amazing? Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. How dumb is the enemy? 
did he not think that given that Elisha knew what he was going to do all the time, that he wouldn't know he was going to come and get Elisha? You know, the enemy's not that smart, just so you know. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. Dothan was a town up near Samaria. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army. How big? Great. Great. With many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Now, I don't know about you, but I can relate to this servant. So we know if you read the chapter before this, this servant is pretty new to this job. The the servant in the chapter before had just been uh, dismissed, basically for stealing. So we got a new servant here. He's used to being harassed. He's been living in this time of constant war over and over again. And just when he thought that they were able to cope with this constant harassment, that somehow they were navigating it, the worst possible thing happened. Has that ever happened to you? Just when you think you've got your head above water... And all these little things have been happening over and over again. And then right when you can't cope with any more, bang, something else happens. Yeah? Just when you have fought children to get dressed and fed them their wheat picks and tried to get organised and lost your lipstick and you get out to the car just when you can't cope with anything more and you've got a flat battery. You know what it's like. So this servant is having an absolute freak out by what he can see in front of him. In fact, he'd woken up that day probably thinking this was business as usual. He'd woken up to do his chores. He'd woken up to go around his normal day. No thought, no mind, no thinking about the battle that was going on around him. And also, he was not aware of God's provision for Israel. So he was completely unprepared for what he faced that day. Completely unprepared. And when he faced that situation and he opened that door and he saw this enormous army, everything he knew about God disappeared out of his own head. There was no space to remember the incredible works of God that he'd been taught about all his life. There was no space to remember that there was a prophet who was helping them. What All he could see was an army come to destroy them. Our brain gets full when we are harassed. He was looking directly at his worst fear. The one thing that had been harassing him for so long suddenly got worse. I don't know about you, but in those moments, it's so hard to find God. The title of my message this morning is What is Surrounding You? What is surrounding you? What wakes up and speaks to you first? What comes at you 
every day, over and over again. The servant was feeding on the fear of the surrounding army. He was surrounded by the thing that was harassing him. So what did Elisha say? Let's pick the story up again in verse 16. Elisha said this, he said, don't be afraid for there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed and he said, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. What an epic story. What is God actually doing in the situation that you're facing? What's really surrounding you? What are the plans in the sea? What are God's plans in the season that you're currently in? Why has He got you in the job that you're in this year? Why has He got you in the school that you're in? Why has He got you in this church for this season? I have spent 20 years of my life avoiding fear and harassment in one area of my life, and that is mountain biking. <laughs> so for those who don't know my family, my husband Mark used to race mountain bikes for Australia, you know, 20 odd years ago, so don't get too excited. <laughs> no, he deserves it, come on, I have to listen to mountain biking stories all the time. So my husband used to ride mountain bikes for Australia. So I spent, I have spent the last 21 years of my life avoiding mountain bikes like the plague. So I, you know, do you ride, Alicia? No, I don't. I do not ride. I do not have a bike. I do not want to go into the bush and ride a mountain bike. I don't want to do that. So I would stand there for his races and I would pass out water bottles and encourage Mark and do all the things that a great wife does while he did his thing. So I don't know what happened when I turned 40, but somehow Mark bought me a bike. <laughs> and not only did he buy me a bike, he bought me a fat-wheeled suspension mountain bike. And he put it on his car and he drove me all the way to Derby which is a mountain biking park. Now, my idea of a holiday is more the champagne beach kind of life. Uh-huh. Not a mountain bike park. And I'd never been on a mountain bike actually riding it in the bush before. Mark goes, you'll be right. It'll be great, hunt. It's going to be fantastic. The boys are getting into it. This is going to be family fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, we went up there in January to this mountain biking park and Mark said to me this thing he said hun when you're going around the corners make sure you keep your eyes on the path because whatever you look at is where you'll go don't look at the tree if you look at the tree you will hit the tree I said oh I got that I'm all over that. And he said, and you need to concentrate. Mountain biking is all about concentrating. You've got to stick to the path. You've got to keep going, making sure you change your gears, make blah, blah, blah. Okay. So Alicia gets out on this mountain bike and she'd gone for a few rides by this stage. She was looking pretty good for a 40-something-year-old. 
on a fat wheel bike. <laughs> and so my sister-in-law was behind me and of course we're getting pretty confident. So she's chit-chatting away. I don't know what it is about females and chit-chatting, but we were chit-chatting. So for just a split second, I took my eyes off anything. And I came flying up over this beautiful rise and then down I came and I realised at the bottom of that hill was a corner and there was a tree and the path. In that moment, this fear rose up within me. I was being harassed by this mountain biking park and everything that my husband taught me about looking at the path disappeared out of my brain. Instant reaction, look at the tree, look at the tree, look at the tree. Second instant reaction, slam on both brakes. Third instant reaction, straight over the handlebars. I know. Ow. A 40-year-old body just doesn't land like it used to. (laughs) And my sister-in-law was like, are you okay? As I lay there with this entangled in this mountain bike. Yes, I'm fine. And I got up. You see, what you're looking at is where you'll go. Your faith and confidence as you walk into this year will feed on what you're looking at. Let me repeat that again. Your faith and your confidence as you walk into this year will feed on what you're looking at. When we get a clear picture of what is really surrounding us, our perspective on our battles totally changes. Elisha remembered three things. And if, you've got, if you're taking notes, these are the three things. Elisha did three things in his statement. One, he remembered the command in the Word of God. In Psalm 27, it says, Do not be afraid. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defence of my life. Whom shall I dread? So Elisha knew the commands of the scripture. The second thing he did was then he encouraged. And he said, those that are against us are nothing compared to those that are for us. He encouraged himself to remember whose side he was on. And the third thing he did was he prayed Not for the situation, but that his eyes would be open so he could see what was really going on. He wasn't praying to say, God, I have now been surrounded by a great army. This thing keeps coming back at me. Can you do something about this army? He said, God, open the young man's eyes that he may see. How often do we have to see what God is doing, not what's in front of us? What does the Bible say about your children? There are people here today that all you can see about your children is the circumstances in front of you. What does God command about your children? What can you encourage yourself in about your children? And what is it that you could pray about for God to show you what he sees about the future of your children and not what you see in front of you right now? Every situation, your health, 
What, is the, what does the Bible say about your health? How do you encourage yourself? How do you ask God to show you what is happening through this circumstance and onwards so you can see what is really surrounding you as you walk through this situation? When we connect our thinking in the middle of being harassed to him, we will see what is really surrounding us and our response will depend what we're looking at. So what happened in this epic story? I don't have time to unpackage all this bit, but I'm just going to tell you what happened. Let's go to verse 18. As the Aramean army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, please make them blind. That's a faith-filled prayer right there. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, you've come to the wrong way. Elisha walked towards the thing that was his biggest fear. This isn't the city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. Why Samaria? Because that was the Israel's strongest hold. That was where the most people were. That was where he had backup. So he said, he went to the thing that he was fearful of and he said, this isn't right. Come with me, we're going to Samaria. And as soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered they were in the middle of Samaria. They were surrounded by the people of Israel. And all of a sudden, the enemy is outnumbered. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, my father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. God's plan in this situation was for the harassment to stop. God's plan was not to continue to provide Elisha with words of knowledge. His plan by bringing this situation to pass was actually to bring a victory to make it stop. That the Israelites would no longer be surrounded by the enemies, but the Israelites would return to him. In our lives, we miss God's plans for our victories because we're stuck in our surroundings. And we don't pray faith-filled prayers because we're not aware of what is actually going on around us. The situations around us that harass us are trying to force us to no longer seek God. They want to keep you so busy dealing with your schedule or your health or your relationships or your work situation or your schooling or your friends, whatever it is that's harassing you. The enemy's tactic is to keep you so busy dealing with that that you won't stop and ask God to show you the bigger picture. In Psalm 23, I remember when there was a time in my life when I was particularly feeling harassed. And I was like, God, get me out of this situation. Who's prayed that prayer before? God, get me out of this. And God took me to Psalm 23. And it's a passage that a lot of you would know. And it says, Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, 
Or in my version that I've got at the moment, it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. And God says, interesting, isn't it, that I'm asking you to walk through that valley and not run. Because all I want to do when I'm in a situation that I want out of is run as fast as I can and get out of that situation as fast as I can. And yet Jesus says, though I walk through that valley, why am I walking? Why am I walking? Why are we taking so long, God? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. And he prepares a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. What's that about? And he honours us by anointing our head with oil and our cup overflows with blessing. And surely his goodness and unfailing love pursues me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That scripture to me has taught me to walk And it's taught me to ask God, can you show me in the midst of my enemies what your table of blessing is? The one situation you may not want to walk through today could be the very circumstance that will open your eyes to your greatest victory. Our challenge is to walk And to pray for our eyes to be opened. To seek God. To read his word. To pray. To connect our harassed thinking and our troubled hearts to his purposes. To become more aware of what surrounds us. Then we'll be prepared for any attack of the enemy. Because we know that we're surrounded by the presence, power and peace of our God every day. Can I have the musicians, please? I want to pray today. I don't know about you, but in that worship this morning, I could imagine an army standing on the hills around this church. What if the armies of heaven are fighting for you? How does that change our posture in the middle of our circumstances? How does that change our posture when the armies of the living God are fighting for you? That God is surrounding you in the middle of your situation. That God's intention for you is to be healed, that God's intention for you is to move forward in faith into that new part of new season, new ministry, new job. That God's intention for you is for you, not against you. That his plans and purposes cannot be taken away, that they are God's plans and purposes and the enemy is coming and harassing you. He's distracting you, but you're not surrounded by the enemy. The enemy is surrounded by God. Every single situation that you are facing today is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to see something different. This message this morning, I'm going to pray. 
I'm going to pray with you because my journey this year, my prayer right now for 2019 is that I would be more aware of what God is doing than the situations which are in front of me. That my faith at work, while I'm dealing with the mundane part of my life, that my heart and my ears would be open to the Holy Spirit because He knows why I'm there. That there are going to be situations that come across my path this year where I need to be aware of what God is doing. This church right now is poised. And we can't think that by extending a campus into the Huon Valley that it's all going to be picnics by the river. We've picked a fight in the Huon Valley because people need God. And the devil is not smart. The enemy is not smart. But he will try and distract us from God's intention in the Huon Valley. But I'm here today to declare that God has already established an army of heaven in the Huon Valley. And He demonstrated it this week by bringing rain and healing to that part of our state. And so our job, come on church, is to open our eyes and see the plans that God has for us. To stand in faith and be an Elisha that says, I will not be afraid because those that are with me are greater than those that are against me. That whatever God is asking you to step out on this week, today, that you would have your eyes open to see what is behind you and what is backing you. The all-powerful presence of God. So I'm going to pray in a moment. But before I do, I know there's people here today that have never experienced that power and presence of God in their everyday life. Maybe you're here today searching for that. Maybe you had some idea from your childhood about God. But you know every day you're waking up and you are not aware of God's presence, His peace and His power walking with you day by day. Can I tell you that it's sin that separates us from God. That separation is of our choosing. And when God sent Jesus, His own Son, to die on that cross, what He did when He died and rose again was destroyed the power of that sin over your life. He destroyed it once and for all. He made a way for us to be back in relationship with God and to sense Him, His direction, His peace, His forgiveness, His life, his, his, the whole heartbeat of heaven to come back into our world, to change us, to give us a new perspective about our purpose and what's happening in this world. Salvation is the moment where you say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me for taking my sin. And God, I want to be back in relationship with you. Sin's forgiven, back in right standing with God. If that's you this morning and you know that, that God is speaking to you, 
If that's you, you've never, ever asked Jesus Christ into your life. I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand and put it down again. And I'm going to say it. I want to pray with you today because there's an old whole army of heaven surrounding you ready to welcome you home. Is there anyone here who would like to pray that prayer this morning? Just put your hand up and put it down straight away. Is there anyone here this morning? Just as I look around. Just as I look around. A couple more minutes. Is there anyone here this morning that just says, Jesus, I know that's me. I need you to surround my life. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else here this morning? wants to pray that prayer. God, I need you. I see that hand. Thank you, God. Church, what is surrounding us is greater than those things that you see surrounding you today. I want everyone to stand up. And if this message is for you and you want to join with me this year in connecting your thinking and your eyes to be more focused on what God is doing and not those things in front of us. If that's you, I want you to come down onto this altar and we're going to pray together. If that's you this morning, you want to join with me. I want it. I want God. I want to see the army on the hills. I want to see what you're doing in this situation. I don't want to see the circumstances that are harassing me day by day. I don't want to see my sickness anymore. I don't want to walk every day and get up and deal with my family issues. But God, as I walk through that situation, you are leading me to my greatest victory because I am going to be more aware of the army that is surrounding this situation than the situation that's right in front of me. These people this morning, come on church. Let's open our eyes. Let's pray together. Come on, if you want to come, just come. We're going to pray together. We're going to ask God, God, open our eyes so that we might see what God is doing. If that's you, I'm going to give you a bit more time because this is actually a step of faith this morning. You're just coming. You're coming as a servant and these things might have been freaking you out. They might have been taking too much real estate in your thinking from a day. If you calculated how many thoughts you had, you have too many about this thing that's harassing you. This is a step of faith to say, God, I want to see what you're doing. An anointed altar where God is going to open eyes. This morning, let's pray. I'm going to declare over you, if you're standing at the front, in the name of Jesus, God, open their eyes. Speak to them directly about what it is that you are doing. God, open their eyes to the protection, the provision. Holy Spirit, move. Let our ears be open, our hearts be open. God, I am declaring a spirit of faith rising up on every single person on this altar this morning. God, I see them seeing the armies of heaven surrounding that situation right now. I see them rising up like an Elisha and saying, I will not be afraid of that thing that continues to harass me. I will no longer sit and allow that thing to come and steal from my family anymore. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to say, I will not be afraid. I will open my eyes and I will see 
see the armies of heaven who are for me and not against me. God, I will open my eyes and I will see the hand of God in the land of the living. Destroy the work of the devil in my life. I will declare the Word of God as I take one more step every day. This situation is the window to my greatest victory. This situation is the time where you lead me out, God. You will lead me to the backup of the army of heaven. And as I bring this situation to you, God, I am going to be faith-filled. You are the God of the armies of heaven. You are the God that parts the sea. You are the God that brings us out of every battle. You are my God. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.